the uh, final message on questions that you might want to ask God. I, I really don't know. I, I know it's the message title, but I don't, I don't know how concerned we're going to be when we get into heaven and see all that we're going to see in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're going to be really interested in asking any question. I think we're going to be slain, so to speak, with being so enamored by, by what we see when we get to heaven. And some won't be able to speak because the bottom line, they're, they'll just thank God, they'll just be glad to get there. Any, you know anybody like that? I made it, you know. I made it. I have a businessman a very wealthy businessman that started coming several months ago and uh, was raised in church. And uh, I met him earlier today between the services. And occasionally I touch base with him. How are you doing? And I'll see him at lunch and uh, because we have lunch often at the same place. And occasionally I'll, I'll say, I'm praying for you. And uh, he, he said to me today, he said, you know, you, you text me. He said uh, this past week, and he said, I I'm here to tell you, I've, I've been struggling. I said, well, I that's why I'm communicating with you, and because I realize that I can see you, and I'm beginning to learn your spirit, and uh, tears began to well up. He said, I want you to know, oh, I, I got in my vehicle, and the what do you call it, the Holy Ghost fell on me, and for 30 minutes, sitting there in my car. Things were happening to me. God began to speak to me. I had no idea. But all I know is, I want more. I said, you know what? Business career is unbelievably successful. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, you don't take anything for that. Somebody say, Amen. All right, now turn to your neighbor, help me now, and say, this message is just for you. Go ahead and do it. This message is just for you. It's just for you. All right, how, how are you going to change your life? Uh, if I were to say, do you have any changes in your life that you'd, you'd like to take care of? And some of you would say, well, I'd, I'd like a few changes here on my body. I'd like a little less of right here and a little less of, well, anyway, I won't, I won't go there like a few lines ironed out, and, and you can get that done, I want you to know, for, for a premium price. But, but what about you is it that you would like to change? Is it an attitude, bad attitude? You say, well, the reason I have a bad attitude, you don't have a good reason to have a bad attitude at all, friend. Nowhere in the Bible, or a habit. Maybe it's an old nasty habit that you have. Said, so I'd like to get rid of it. You know, uh, well, I'd like, you know, I'd like the way I look to change. You know, uh, my hair is receding rather rapidly, and I, I like more hair. Well, if you watch television very long and Discovery Channel, you'll find that there's ointment and all that kind of stuff. You, you get more hair, I guess, if that's really important to you. Uh, or you can, you know, women, you, you usually don't have that problem. If you don't like your, you just change colors, you know, overnight and stripe it and strip it and string it and all that goes with it. You know, you can be a brunette tonight and a blonde tomorrow morning, whatever suits, whatever suits your fancy, you know, so you, you can change or 
or maybe there's a weakness in your life. A weakness, yeah. Maybe there's a weakness in your life that you struggle with. Say, God, I'd like help with that. You know, we know people want to change, and we know that seminars that talk about changing your life, their, their registration is through the roof. I mean, a lot of, lot of books, hundreds of thousands of books out on how to change your look, how to change this. And, and then, then we know that they're all kind of diets. You know that you can be on diets that cost you money, and they're a dime a dozen. And, and the problem is that we decide to change. And when we make that change, it lasts for a little while, but it doesn't last very long. Are you all with me? Say amen. Doesn't last very long. How many of you have dieted more than once in your life? All right, I'm going to ask it again. Then I'm going to ask how many liars, but first I'm going to give you one more chance. How many have dieted more than once in your life? You wanted to die. You wanted to lose a few pounds. Here's what I found out with that kind of determination. You lose a few pounds. But six months from now, you gained it back and then some. I know what I'm talking about. Why? We often fo focus on the external. But, but God says, hey, I want to change you internally. We've often tried to change ourselves in many different ways. But it either didn't last or it didn't turn out like we thought that it would. And God, God is saying, hey, I'm, I, I, want, I want your attitude to change because if your attitude changes from the inside out, your behavior will change. It sure will. Your behavior will change. For lasting change, you have to change on the inside, and that requires God's help. God said, you've tried it. It didn't work. didn't last. But if you let me manage it for you and work with you, it will happen. So we're going to talk about Jacob today. He was a wrestler of all time. Wrestling match. The, the wrestling match of eternal wrestling matches. Now from what I know about wrestling match and what I've wa watched on the World Wide Wrestling Federation. As you know, they get you down and, and you either say back years ago, uh, you, you say uncle or I give up, or the ref jumps down on his knees and pounds and pounds and shoulders on the ground, pounds three times, wrestling match is over. That was not the kind of wrestling match that Jacob was in fact having. having. It, it lasted all night long. You see, Jacob's weakness was he was a manipulator. He was a swindler. His name meant cheater. And he was always using people and getting in trouble by abusing them. And his experience in this wrestling match changed his life forever. Well, you and I get to look on the inside track of this scripture and find out, well, how did that work out? How did the Holy Spirit, how did God wrestling with Jacob, how did that happen? So, so I want to give you four points right here. I'll preach a little better, a little faster with an occasional amen. That's a lot of amens. God starts with a crisis. Say that with me. God starts with a crisis. So here we go to Genesis 32. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with, with the man. A crisis hit. Now I'm going to say this right up front. I'm not one to say that every crisis you have, every time you get sick, 
every time you have a fender bender, every time you fall and skin your knee, that that's a crisis that God is creating to try to get your attention, okay? I, I, I just don't think that. But I do think that there are those times that we know, hey, I, uh, I, I know this has some kind of meaning behind it. And, and God, and you get ready. You, you, you bring it to my, my attention. Verse number 20, when I was down with my eyes several times, I had someone that came to me and said, Pastor, what is it that God's trying to do to you? I said, well, right now the devil's doing a pretty good job. You know, it's my eyes. I'm having a problem with that, but I'm waiting on the Lord. Well, there must be something in your life. You know, don't you love people like that? You want to rebuke them in the name of Jesus and say, you know what? Why don't you run and look in the mirror and take a look at yourself and ask God why he made you the way you are? I didn't say anything. God allows a crisis. He allows a crisis, and we understand that. And we know that Scripture says that he struggled. I mean, get this now. He struggled until daybreak. It was no easy match. It lasted all night long, all night long. We look in our own lives, and often there are things in our life, whether it's known publicly or quietly or secretly and just between you and God, that things that you wrestle with and uh, things you wrestle with. And here's what the devil desires to do is, boy, you wrestle with it and wrestle with it. Here's what the devil will lie to you and say, because you're wrestling with that and that's there, uh, you're not right with God. I'm here to tell you, my friend, a lot of people wrestle with a lot of things who have truly made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say, man, I'm not so fast to kick somebody out of the family. How about you? Sometimes we get sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Anybody sick and tired? Yes, Lord. See, sometimes we struggle with relationships that doesn't get any better. It gets worse. We try and with the re and it's getting worse and worse. Some uh, some prayer times that we pray and say, God, I, I've been praying for that, bombarding heaven, fasting the whole works, and and I want you to know it's getting worse. They're getting meaner, and it doesn't appear. And my friend in the Lord at church, they just prayed twice, two days. They had their need met, and that just bugs the living daylights. You say, God, it's just hard for me to take that little struggle going on. But we know that there are struggles. You know, God, uh, God sometimes doesn't answer prayer right away. Paul, Paul said, hey, I've got a thorn. You know it. You authored it. What I'd like for you to do is take it away from me. You know what God says? Oh, no. No, every thorn has a purpose. Every thorn has a purpose. Every thorn. Well, have you ever thought about the fact that sometimes it might be? That a crisis, something you didn't expect, something you're wrestling with, just might be there that God is trying to do something in your spirit, man. You see, what we're going through, we have to take a good look at, at change and say, all right, I'm, I'm ready. The baby eaglet in the nest, often the nest gets rougher and rougher, and that eaglet wants to get out of the nest and fly or get on top of the eagle's wings. Mama and flies and turns over, and buddy, I hope you know how to fly here. And that, I believe that happens to us from time to time. And here's what we say. One of these days, I'm going to change. One of these days, 
I'm going to take care of that. You see, here's what I know. Listen carefully. We never change until the pain of remaining the same becomes greater than the fear of change. So Jacob wrestled, and finally the pain was so bad he had to do something. And sometimes God will bring the crisis into our life to get us to take a look at some things we need to tweak. Why? Because he loves us too much to let us stay the same. So crisis often works positively in our life. We got that? Say amen. Y'all were so vigorous about your amen a few minutes ago. I didn't hear one amen through that whole point. But here's another chance. Remain committed. Say that. Remain committed. Genesis 32, then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until what? Come on, everybody. How about it, balcony? Until you what? Until you bless me. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. Jacob's attitude is persistent. It's persistent. I'm not letting you go. He determined that he's going to stick it out and he's going to fight it out and he's not going to quit. Think about now with the struggle or the challenges or relation, you say, I'm, I'm going to stick with seeing this thing get worked out. In other words, it appears he's determined that since he's made an investment in, in the wrestling all night, he wants to get some benefit out of it. Let's talk about marriage for a few moments. Here we go. Some of you put money and energy and commitment in your marriage and, and, and you don't want to lose your investment. You don't want to lose 20 or 30 years. So I put money and and investment in that. I don't, I don't want to lose that. So you say, I'm going to fight. And you're going to work really, really hard. And you're going to deny yourself. And when that happens in a home or in a marriage, here's, here's what. It's a crisis that gets your attention. The beautiful part about that, two people instead of one have an opportunity to grow, to help solve the problem together, and to make concessions together. But often the problem is that we don't wait long enough for that actual change to take place. Well, I want you to know, I'd do better if they would straighten out and get right. Ha! In marriage, in conflict, and difficulty, one thing I've learned, it's not just one person. Let me say that more spiritually. I said, according to the Word of God, <laughs> that in marriage challenges... It's usually not just one of the individuals in that matrimonial experience that needs to change. <laughs> Marriage involves two people, and they both need to change. That good enough for you? Bottom line. Okay, here we go now. Stay with me. Okay, we got together. We decided to make improvements and change in this situation, this marriage. But I'm telling you, God, we did good for three weeks, and just today it blew to smithereens. I'm done. I gave it a best shot. I gave it three weeks. I thought we might make it. We tried, but I quit. Well, the best way to get out of a situation like that is to do what a lot of people do. You just run from it. 
And most of the time, healing and restoration, healing and restoration is right around the corner. Someone made this statement. Humanity is, a great, is great at starting, but does not finish well. Let's talk about a diet. Any amens? Oh, you skinny people said amen. <laughs> or physical fitness program. I had a friend who once said he tried to diet an entire afternoon and he got zero results. An entire afternoon he devoted and got zero results. I, I'm going to quote him because this came from him. He said, I'm getting furniture problems. My chest is dropping into my drawers. <laughs> he wrote, my body keeps adjusting under middle age attack. My waistline's pushing forward while my hairline's falling back. Hey, diddle diddle, I've got a bulge in my middle and hope to whittle it soon by eating. But eating is such fun that I won't get it done till my dish runs away with my spoon. That's him. We're great starters, but we don't all often finish well. Well, I prayed about my weakness. Oh, you did? I said, yeah. How many times? Once. That was a real effort. You know, we want insta change. Where, where is the commitment? Notice the step carefully, first the crisis, then the commitment to stick it out. So here's what Jacob said. I'm committed to this struggle, and I'm not giving up until I get a blessing. You see, you didn't develop that raunchy personal attitude overnight. And you didn't get all those hang-ups overnight. It took a, quite a few bad choices, several times somebody thumping you around. You didn't get that nasty habit overnight. It's going to take time with you working and God undergirding you for, for it to finally be resolved. So that's one of the reasons Paul said, who was the great apostle in, in Galatians 6 9, let us not become weary in, in doing good, for at a proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. It's called hang in there. Say that with me. Hang in there. Number three. Number three. Number three. Thank you. Confession is a must. Genesis 32, then the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Well, you might ask God why he asked his name. Well, God wanted him to admit, admit who he was. In biblical days, we know the name that you were given was a description of your character. It was a label. So when he said, what's your name? He said, Jacob. You know what Jacob's name? I'm a cheater. I'm a cheater. It was actually a self-revelation, an act of confession. My name is Jacob, the cheater. I'm a swindler. And God is saying, hey, tell me who else you are. You see, my name is Jacob was a reminder to all the people he had hurt and all the manipulation that he had done and all the heartbreak and all the problems that had started and, and laid out all his personal hang-ups that was there. You say, okay, well, what's your name? 
What's your name? If God were to ask you, what is one of your greatest character weaknesses? Tell me what your name is. Well, it's temper. My name is temper. Everybody that knows me knows I can't control my temper. Knows at the right time that I will blow it. And my wife, my wife knows how to do it and pushes my button all the time. Temper. My name is unreliable. Can't count on me, buddy. My name is unreliable. Or, or my name is guilt. Guilt, guilt, guilt. My name is worrier. You give me anything and I'll worry for you. And my name is worrier. My name is greedy. Greedy, greedy, greedy. I was walking in the parking lot down the street here at the Publix and going into um, to, uh, Romeo's. And I looked and I, I saw a penny. Thing had been rolled many times. And I saw that penny and I, I thought, wow, that, that's a penny right there. I stood and I gazed at it to be sure that it was. I thought, you know what? I could easily walk off from that penny. But I thought, there have been many a times in my life I was a penny short. And that was before, oh, we have pennies here. Don't worry about it. In my day, it's when if you were a penny short, you didn't get it. We don't have loose pennies. So I reached down and picked it up. Then I thought about if I put it in my pocket, it's going to dirty my pocket. It's dirty money. And then I thought, I do a lot of thinking. Have you noticed that? I'd rather have dirty money than no money at all. Everybody with me? You just keep going. You'll figure a way out. You understand, well, what, what is it? Greedy? Resentful? Resentful. The truth is the point that individual will never be able to change until they're willing to admit their weakness. To whom? Number one, to you, to yourself. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. And the second is God. You tell God, hey, this is my struggle. This is what I'm wrestling with. I've admitted it to you and admitted it to myself. You see, we understand God won't work on my problem in my weakness till I've admit I have one. You know, and, and unfortunately, many people know you have a problem a long time before you admit you have a problem. And that's unfortunate. That says your prayer life's not where it needs to be. And when you come to God and admit you have a problem, he's not going to be surprised, not going to be shocked. You say, well, God, I have a problem in my thought life. Or God, I have a problem lying. Or, or I, I admit that I have a problem. Change comes when we stop making excuses and blaming others, blaming a spouse, blaming a friend, or we say rationalizing everybody does it, or I'm not as bad as it's humbling to admit a weakness. How many have one from time to time? Raise your hand back down. God resists the proud, Proverbs 3, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace is the power to change. And if you want grace, work at being humble until it becomes a part of your character. All of us have some need that we struggle with. Number four, cooperation is a must. What's number four? Cooperation is a must. We have to learn to cooperate with God. If you could fix you, if you could handle all your struggles, 
If you could straighten out all your bruised relationships, if you could straighten out what other people think of you that's not true, if you could do all that, you would have probably done that already. But here's what we're encouraged to do. We just lean on the Lord. Some battles are not worth fighting. You with me? Some battles aren't worth fighting. Some you just leave in the hands of the Lord and say, don't worry about it. We learn to cooperate with the Lord. Genesis 32, 28. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face. And the moment that Jacob began admitting his weakness, he began to cooperate with God and he began to change. He called the place Peniel, which means face to face with God. I faced off with God. I faced off with God. All of us will have to do that someday. There are many people that are running from God, running away from God, and they run, 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 run. They've never stopped long enough to face off with God. They've never bowed their heart and say, I'm sorry, I struggle because my sin rules in my life. I'm a good guy, I freely admit, and you talk yourself in being such a wonderful, sociable uh, champion. But the reality is, there is a part of us that's called the spiritual, it has to face off with God. It has to deal with God's love in our life. And you can run, 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 run. But if you know that one day all of us are going to face off to God, why would we wait? Why would we say, God, here and now? Why not face God and say, God, I bring you my trespasses. I bring you my sins. God said, I want to be your friend, not your enemy. I came to save you, not to scare you. God's desires for us to simply relax and cooperate as he works on us. So God says to Jacob, I will bless you. And he did just that. Here's what I'm going to do for you first. I'm going to change your name and give you a new identity. He said, your name is no longer going to be Jacob. It's going to be what? Israel. You got it right. Jacob meant cheater, swindler, crook, double crosser. Israel had a double meaning of which one is prince of God. So this cheater, this swindler, this crook, no longer is that. He's now a prince of God. And often God does his deepest work in our identity, helping us to understand ourselves. And when God wants to change us, he starts with the way that we see ourselves. I said this just today to someone. You, you don't realize just how good you are. You, you don't give yourself enough credit, enough opportunity to grow and to breathe. It's all right to feel good about you. Somebody say amen. Well, I'm just a sinner, brother, saved by grace. Well, I don't want to put you out there in the marketplace to let you represent the church of Jesus Christ. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. We're all sinners saved by grace. Say amen. We're sinners saved by grace. But then we became a king's kid. Hello? And false humility will get you nowhere. Nowhere. 
In spite of Jacob's meanness, God saw his potential. He looked beneath the scoundrel that he was, the manipulator, the schemer, and he saw a prince. God looked beneath the emotional hangups and saw something valuable, and he changed Jacob's name. And from the point on, Jacob was a different person, and an entire nation, Israel, was named after him. So Genesis 32 says, and the sun rose up above him as he passed Peniel. He was limping because of his hip. Remember the story? Wrestling. God dislocated Jacob's hip. His thigh was damaged, and as a result, the rest of his life, he had a limp. Well, why is that significant? The thigh is the strongest muscle in your body. No, it's not. The tongue is. No, the hip, this muscle right here is the strongest. The tongue, of course, is used a lot and cannot be controlled. Mm. When God touched Jacob, he touched him at the point of his greatest strength. The reminder to Jacob as he constantly limped for the remainder of his life was that if he's going to make it, he must depend on God, not his own strength. That's a great reminder for each of us that we must depend on God and not our own strength. Willpower often doesn't work. It causes us to have tension in our lives. And the thing that we resist persists. And we study Jacob's life and we look at all his previous experiences of the manipulation that he did. You know what he did? When things got rough and he couldn't squeeze any more out of the individual, he ran away. In every tight situation, Jacob ran away. But now he can't run anymore. God said, you're not going to run anymore. You're going to face your challenges. And from that point on, Jacob no longer stood in his own power, but God's power. And he said, God, if I take the next step, I'm going to need your help. So I've come to the conclusion in, in this message that if God can change Jacob, he can change anybody. Paul writes in Romans these words, Jacob, I have loved. Speaking about God, the voice of God, Jacob, I have loved. Love Jacob and all of his, all of his hang-ups. And I saw beneath the hang-up and the manipulation, I saw a person worth placing my anointing on. And that's what God has for you. So let's review for a moment. Crisis. What about the crisis? Has God been trying to get your attention? Number two, commitment. Often you've identified the crisis, but have you made the commitment to say, hey, you know what? I'll struggle as long as necessary. Eventually, I'll get the blessing. Confession, weakness, admitting it to yourself, admitting, admitting it to God. And say, God, I, I admit that I'm weak there. And say, well, if I admit it, does that mean it's over? You might go on for years. And still, it, it's a weakness that's there. Oh, what's your name? Is, is it temper? God says, well, what is, what is your name? Unreliable? Worrier? One who is depressed? One that can never show up on time? And then finally, it's cooperation. 
It's that step of faith. Father, I want to cooperate with you. Paul writes in Ephesians 4.22, So get rid of your old self, which made you live as you used to, and put on the new self, which is created in God's likeness. Psychologists say, even child psychologists say, that a child's personality is developed by the age of four. Their personality by the age of four. But there are patterns that you develop in your life that God can change the pattern of your life. If you lean on him, he can change the pattern of your life. And there's one thing that you don't have to live with. It is S-I-N, sin. You don't have to live. Why? You can ask God to forgive you. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's good. That's true. But grace is not binding. Grace is liberating. Amen? Grace is liberating. I'm liberated. My, my sins are gone. Okay, I had a hiccup. Okay, I slipped and I failed. Yeah, those things do happen. But the beautiful part about grace is, just ask me. I'll come, I'll forgive you. I'll wipe the slate clean. Come on, somebody. Are you glad about that? The problem is that we all have had that little three-letter three word that, that we have to deal with. But here's what Jesus said. He said to every person, you must be born again. You must be. If you're going to enjoy the riches of heaven, if you're going to enjoy a changed life, you're going to enjoy life's not all about you. You're going to enjoy the life that is liberating, not a perfect life, but a life that you know you've been set free. He said, you must be born again. You must be. Not okay, think about it. No, you must be. And that's why he's saying, hey, if you know that one day you're going to face off with God, don't wait till the day of judgment and you haven't faced off with him. And hear him say, depart from me. I gave you chance, opportunity after opportunity, sermon after sermon, song after song, invitation after invitation. I blessed you beyond what you should ever deserve. But you never took time. You never took time to bow your heart and bend your knee. Say, I'm a sinner. And I need you, Jesus. The man I spoke to you about earlier, extremely wealthy, you can't imagine. But he was raised in the church. His whole life until young adulthood. And God began to bless. And the business contracts kept getting bigger and bigger. And the spreading of the business went statewide to the point that hundreds worked in the organization. Call on the jet and fly here and fly there. Once in a while, landing to face reality. Got to have this cocktail with that one. Well, I got to get that, et cetera, et cetera. What happened to Sunday? What happened to Sunday school? What happened to personal devotions? I'm busy.
But the other day, God faced off. The Holy Ghost is able to completely overhaul all of us. Amen. Would you stand, Father, in your name, strengthen and guide. We look for your anointing. We praise you. You're our God. You're our Redeemer. You're our Healer. You're the one that never fails. So I pray for those online and those here. We're going to ask God to forgive us. We're going to face off with God right now, right where you are. And I'm going to ask everybody to repeat this with me. Would you do that? Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus thanks, for dying on the cross thanks for dying on the cross for my redemption. For my redemption. I, admit I admit that I have failed. I have I've messed up. I've messed up. I admit, I admit that I've had sin in my life. In my but, life. Today, but today, I'm asking you for forgiveness. You for forgiveness. Restore, me. Restore me. Renew me. Renew me. Help, me Help me remember. You are my strength. You are my, strength. You are my, king. You're my king. And you're everything. And you're so right now, so right now, I ask you, I ask you, take my life, take my life, and use it as you choose. Use it as you choose. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. Don't you love the Lord? Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Those at home, thank you, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. You need prayer. These altars were not open officially for months it grieved me so several several weeks ago more than a month ago so when I open them up I was questioned about that by someone are you sure that's what you want to do absolutely I said God if you want to get somebody to get sick when they come to the altar that's your business but I don't believe it. Now, all these altar workers have a mask on. Why? To accommodate anyone that might be a little fearful. But if you need to come, that's all there is to it. I said to a group of men the other day, you're grown men. Do what it is you're going to do. I don't want to twist your arm. I don't want to, I just want you to be obedient. Somebody say amen. amen. So if God's speaking to you and you say, I know I need to get down there. And, and as the Holy Spirit speaks to me now, it may not even be for you. Maybe God's bringing you down because there's somebody else that you know that you love that you need to bring down and represent them for a healing where two or more agree together on any one thing. That's why the agreement is important. So they're going to worship. They're going to worship. And as they worship you, you just want to be seated, that's fine. Or you need to slip out, you certainly consider it the benediction. But then if you know you need to come forward, we're going to sing as you move forward. Amen. How many love Jesus? Oh, that's good. You see, how many love your enemies? How many love your enemies? See, I know I'm in that number. God bless you. Thank you, everybody.
Father, this morning. Lord, up a hand all across this room. God, we thank you for the word that Pastor brought forth today. We thank you that we're challenged to lean into you, that your power is perfected right in the midst of our weaknesses. So as we go from here, help us to lean into all that you have for us this week. Bring us back here on Wednesday in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Go in peace. God bless you guys. Join us back here this coming Wednesday. If you're watching online, we love you. Have a great day.